Welcome back to another episode of the Between the Lines podcast. Today we'll be talking about college football, the NBA playoffs, as well as the unwritten rules of sports. So today we're going to be talking about the Big Ten and the Pac-12's decision to stop fall sports and most especially college football. That being said, I'm going to toss it to Kyle and he's going to start us off first today. Yeah, so real quick, I'll just go into it. I think it's pretty interesting that, you know, they uh, canceled football and they're bringing back students to campus. Um, I just feel like, you know, college sports is kind of confused right now. Like, do we have the, all these students on campus and not play or do we play? I just feel like nobody really knows like what to do. And of course, it's a challenging time. So, you know, there are a lot of questions up in the air, but um I just feel like they don't they don't really have it together as far as um, what they want to do. You, you see, I see. I think the problem here um, is the fact that both both sides have really good arguments to either go for the football season or not go for it. So, go, starting off with uh, the arguments for having a football season, uh, I'll I'll quote Joe Burrow on this one, um, and he said. If it wasn't for my last season or my my last college my last college football season, I'd be looking for a job right now. And we're talking about the first overall pick, a lot of money involved. Uh, QB one for the Bengals definitely took a really huge turn on his last football season. Uh, a guy that was projected to be undrafted uh, ended up becoming the the better QB of the class and um, winning it all. So you know, a season can really make a huge impact. And I feel like a lot of athletes that maybe they haven't proved enough uh, yet on college and they were like super motivated for their last season, you know, there's always that last chance to to go pro. And I mean, we're talking about people that have been focusing all their lives on football, playing D1, um, whatever, man. And it's, it's kind of sad to take that away from them. But on the other point of view, uh, some of the players are being, uh, are questioning, like, if you want us to go back, pay us because, well... Uh, one thing is to restart and the end. One thing is to have the NFL season or the NBA season because we're talking about paid athletes. And well, you just got to do your job, right? Like people are starting going back to their jobs with the COVID situation. It's just another job. You go and get go get your money and play for that. When it comes to college, though, you play at a high level too uh, in huge stadiums and well, just like the NFL, but you don't get paid. So I totally understand the argument that, man, if you're not going to get paid, I'm not going to risk my life because that's what we're going to do uh, if we're playing during the, vir- the virus. So, yeah, man, I, I, I have uh, utter respect for both sides. I think at this point, it's it's a player's decision. I, I speak for myself. If I had a chance to play a last year a college football and, well, a pandemic was going on, maybe I'd put my career over it and just take the risk and take the extra risk, you know, show my commitment. But at the same time, man, if I have, like, a family, like, some of these guys are already dads and all that, I'm not going to risk my whole my whole family or even career or health just because of a sport that I'm not going to even get paid. So, yeah, yeah, that's my take on it. I hear that. And I think I kind of fall near the same point as you, Tiago, in, in seeing that there's both compelling arguments for both sides, sides like the conferences of the Big Ten and Pac-12 that say, hey, we're not going to do sports, and then – athletes we talk about justin fields the quarterback that is at ohio state who put it put together a petition to try and get sports back for the big 10 so and i see that especially for guys that are 
seniors and it's their last year to go out there, put tape together, whether they're trying to get to the NFL or whether they're just trying to say, hey, it's my senior year. I want to make this happen. I don't want to put my life on hold for another year and have to come back. And who knows? Maybe they're not going to give those red shirts out. And it's like, well, if the season doesn't happen, you're just out of luck. And I also want to bring in the topic of there is conversation about trying to shift the football season and all of fall sports to the spring which would be somewhat of a clusterfuck in that also spring sports would be going on then as well. But for me personally, I think there's just too much unknown right now about the virus in terms of the health effects that it has. Cause we know people like Donald Trump have made tweets and made public statements actually about athletes being young and strong and, and they can overcome this virus. But I, I want to talk about, um, a random player here who's not very good, but Mo Bamba, right? He had to leave the bubble due to complications with the virus. And we've heard about things, respiratory issues, heart issues, breathing problems. So it's just like, you don't really know. And colleges aren't, it's not like professional sports. These universities could potentially be on the hook. If, you know, there's a mass pandemic within a university that decides to start playing football again, like they have to address those problems and you never know that could result in lawsuits that could result in anything. So I think that the big 10 and the PAC 12 are smart for being on the preventative side of things. And I'll be curious to see in the next few weeks, how the ACC, SEC and big 12 make strides in either continuing the plans for the fall football season or also putting things on postponement. Yeah, definitely. I think that's also another thing too, Max. Um, that these these universities really got to protect themselves because, you know, should anything go wrong with this virus and, you know, God forbid, um, it's going to look really bad for these schools. You know, it could hurt many things. It could even go as deep as hurting recruiting and all that. So, Or wait, um, how about let's take it farther. How about if you get a real problem, how about the amount of applicants you get to your school next year? Ooh, they see yeah. that all these coronavirus, you, that's going to hit you in a lot mm -hmm. of different pockets, not just your yeah. pockets for sports. Like you got people considering, well, is this really like a good university for me to go to? Like, who knows, there might not be a vaccine, you know, eight months from now. And when kids start to apply again, I don't know, there's a cycle to this thing. And there's so many variables that we don't always think about, especially as fans. And I think as players, players are somewhat one dimensional in that, hey, we know there's a virus, but we really want to play. So let's get out there. But I think I think these conferences that postpone, they're thinking about so many different things. And I think that I think that they'll be on the right side of history in terms of this whole situation. But only time will tell. You know, what's oh, yeah, crazy. Sure. Go ahead. You know what's crazy here? Uh, you mentioned the Donald Trump tweet. And um, mm -hmm. man, that's. That that's that's a huge thing. Listen, if if somebody said, if the president, it's not someone, if the president says, "Oh, they healthy, they can play," all the healthy, healthy, young people in the U.S. will think, "Well, I'm healthy and young too. I can, whatever, the virus won't nice. affect me." Do do you guys do you guys understand the impact that this tweet might have? Oh, like way outside sports, way outside. Sports. Oh, I'm talking about like. There's so many problems with what he said. It would take us oh hours to fully dissect it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's that's completely taking out of consideration the families of these guys. Because, like, okay, yeah, you're hung and healthy. You're an athlete. You're playing out there. You get the virus. You don't feel it. You go home. You infect your grandma. She's going to feel it. Or even your parents. You know, like, whatever, man. This is this, – this, um, honestly, sometimes I see, I see his tweets and I'm like, nah, his account got hacked. No way. That's just There's just <laughs> no way – there's just no way you think about those things and you say it out loud as a president. Just that that's 
I think that's a whole nother thing too, you know, so that's pretty tough, but I want to, I want to bring it back to, um, just, uh, being able to play a season though. Um, I think it's pretty, it's going to be pretty challenging, uh, as far as like the playoffs go, um, you know, having two of your major conferences out, uh, like what exactly are you going to do? And, and how, how do people take that? As like, oh, well, we won a championship fair and square, but you were missing two other conferences, you know? So I think, you know, some some people are going to look at that one as as like, I don't know. So, like, what are y'all your thoughts on, like, as far as not playing with the Big Ten and Pac-12 and, like, if ACC and, you know, SEC were to move forward with playing? Yeah, um, I'll start first on this one. So, obviously, we're here on the West Coast, and that's where many, you know, if not all of the Pac-12 schools are. But in terms of playoff potential in terms of being you know the final four teams the odds of it being a pac 12 school are very slim and that's not to say oh like fuck them we don't care about it but it's just being realistic and you know there's a few different schools in the big 10 that have chances but i think if it, if these conferences these three conferences they're they're just going to move forward with the football season as planned i think it's just like hey for this year we're forgetting about all the other pack or the pac 12 and the big 10 and you know let the chips sit where they may. And if, if you end up winning a national championship, you win a national championship. You know, some fans might say there's an asterisk on that due to two conferences not participating. But I think in some ways there's parallels to the NBA bubble situation going on, right? This, yeah. this scenario is so unique and we've never seen anything like it. And, you know, I know some people will say, oh, this is a joke. You know, this is not a normal NBA championship. There's so many variables that are either in play or not in play, depending on what side of the fence you sit on and how you view things. So I just think you got to move forward and you just got to play the games. And, you know, people are going to talk. People are going to say what they say. And that's that's what it is. I have uh, some thoughts on that. Um, so, so imagine this. Uh, imagine there is actually a college season and those conferences do not participate as planned. Um, what if the top students from those colleges, the, the ones in their last year, transferred to other conferences? So you're saying... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think... Transfer-wise, I don't think that the NCAA has made rule changes in terms of, you know, allowing that quick of a transfer at the moment. There's usually lots of restrictions, and there's a portal season, and there's there's all these classifications in terms of how you have to transfer. But answering your question in, like, kind of an alternate scenario where players could kind of move freely, yeah, that would be insane because you'd, you'd see people – in the Pac-12 and Big Ten that are either seniors or just desperate and dying to get back on the field and play, they'd be dipping. They'd be like, you know, I'm out. I'm trying to play this year. So I think that's definitely interesting for sure. And that's another thing. You, you spoke about um, the people that apply for, for colleges and people that accept scholarships and whatever, whatever. Um, I feel like if I was an athlete right now and I was, when I was about to uh, accept a, call, a scholarship from a school that's not playing, I know it's not the school's fault. It's just the conference, the whole conference agreed on that. But I'm like, damn, the other schools are playing, you know, like, I don't know if next year the virus will be better or not. I don't know if next year there'll be a season or not, but I probably want to be on the team that's going to play, you know, even if it's not such a great, not, not as great as a program, I want to have tape. I want to have, I want to have numbers. I want to have stats, whatever, man. And maybe transfer when the schools are back. I don't know, man. There's a lot of variables here. Well, check this on that. I would all I would say is that it's like we are in an unpredictable situation. So 
as a player, you got to still choose a school that's best for you. And like, I see what you're saying, you know, that maybe, maybe they won't, maybe they're not going to play again. Like, let's say stuff, you know, goes bad again. And the big 10 decides again next year, they're not playing. I see how that situation could be pretty tough, but as a, as a team in the big 10, you've got to move forward with recruiting and bettering your team. And as a player, if, if whatever school in the big 10 is the perfect fit for you, you know, I don't think you should, you know, just, you know, not, not go there because, but it's definitely going to be within people's thoughts, you know, like, Oh, like they're probably going to be one of the teams to, to bail out if things go left again. I I definitely think it's going to be a huge mess um, from now on when it comes to college football, man, the fact that some conferences don't want to play, others want to play, there's petitions to play, whatever, man, there's a whole mess going on. And, um, I mean, I, I love to talk about it for hours and hours because there's, like we said, there's a lot of variables and stuff that we can touch, we can talk, and but, like, what's the point? Like, we don't know what's going to happen, like you guys said. At this point, it's just a big what if. Some people want to play, some people don't. Both have reasons, so what are you going with, you know? like Right. Yeah, before transitioning, I wanted to say the same thing that you just said, Tiago. It's... It's similar to this coronavirus situation right now. Some people walk out of their house with the mask on. Some people say, fuck that and say, you know, the government's not going to control me. I don't believe in this hoax. And, you know, some people want to play football and some people are on the preventative side of saying, hey, you know, this is a real virus and probably physical contact like that isn't the best thing at this point. And there's so many variables, as you said, it's a really tough situation to navigate and everybody has an opinion. Um, and that it is what it is. And I think that's really all you can say about it at this point. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the other three conferences, if they postpone or if they move forward. And if possibly the other three conferences do play in the fall, maybe the Pac-12 and the uh, Big Ten do something in the spring where it's just the two of them playing against each other. We'll see. It will be interesting. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, but now let's talk about something that's maybe even more interesting, the NBA playoffs. So. The topic is on the table, and it's up for negotiation. Where are we starting about the NBA playoffs, what we have seen so far? Well, let me start real quick. First, (laughs) I think I was against you, Max, as far as the Mm -hmm. Blazers and the Lakers go. So I'm going to throw a little apology. I'm not going to say that, you know. I'm not going to say that, you know, you're completely right. But, you know, I like watching the game. I'm sitting there, and I see every two seconds I look up Danny Green missing a corner three. KCP only scoring one point first game. There's a lot of there's a lot of problems when you look at this team. It's literally like LeBron, Diamond, AD, AD getting these buckets, and of course LeBron gets his buckets too. All respects, but you know this team is like once you like really pick it apart and and you put them against a Blazers team that's solid like that. I mean, I was fooled. I think I was really fooled. What did I yeah, tell I you guys? It. Go ahead, Daryl. What did I tell you guys? It's the LeBron James effect, man. The same thing happened in the Cavaliers. It's true. The, the man just carries the team. And if he doesn't carry, and he carried last game because he had huge stats, him and AD. But if you play against another solid team and you have Danny Green shooting breaks and making a castle, then I don't know, man. You know, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. But I'm yeah, not counting think... them out, though. No, no, I, I was no. my thought right after you said what you said is there's a lot of basketball left to be played. But Thank I do you. think when you break when you break the Lakers down and you dissect what they have, they have a whole lot of problems at the guard position. It's just not enough. And 
for the Lakers to actually get to the finals to win the finals, LeBron's going to really have to take it to that level that we've seen in years past. And he's going to have to do it with AD. But um, I'm sorry, KCP, Deion Waiters, um, Caruso, you know, the legend that some people think he may be, it's not enough. And Danny Green's been really cold from beyond the three-point line lately. But that being said, I also see some problems with the Los Angeles Clippers right now. Yes. And I know Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis are hell of a, you know, tandem, two foreign players that really will pull up from everywhere. But what I want to say about Luka is it's amazing. The NBA is Luka's for the next 10 years. His ability to operate in the pick and roll, his ability to move slow, move fast, control the ball, get to his spots on the floor, set up teammates is it's um, I heard this take on the radio the other day. Luka Doncic is a right-handed James Harden. And if you do think about it, there are a lot of similarities in their game He's in terms better. of how they operate. He's, He's better. better. I agree. He is better. But if you do think about it, there's similarities though, right? There are similarities. Sure. But yeah. I will say though, I, I was gonna I was gonna mention this game too, or this series. Uh it's a pretty interesting series to watch. I think it's I think it's evenly kind I think it's kind of evenly matched. You know, I don't know if y'all would agree. But yeah. I think it's a pretty even match for being a two seven. Um, but just watching I, Luca's game though, like it's it I could see how it's similar, but like I wouldn't like I don't know, like for me personally, I wouldn't like compare it to a James Harden. But I mean I'd be oh, okay, I'd be but to hear more about all it. Right, let me ask you this though. If not James Harden, who else could you possibly compare Luca to in the That is a good question. To no one. To no one. Luca is Luca right. and that's it. No, I agree. I fully agree. You're right. You're 100% right. I'm just thinking in terms of his ability, just I guess most similarly, it's the pick and roll situation and what they're both able to do, get defenders on hips, get to spots and set up teammates. Obviously, Luca is a better facilitator. Some of the passes he makes are just out of this world. But back to the Clippers, man. Um, You said it's kind of an even series so far, and it has been. Play-wise, it has been. But you look at the talent that the Clippers have on that roster, they have not been playing up to par the last few days. When you have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Lou Will, Harrell, you know, Marcus Morris is doing his thing. Pat Bev was injured in game two, but you need more from that team. And th- their defense, especially in the pick and rolls with Luka, has just not been good enough. And um, it needs to be better if they're going to, you know, win this, win this series in six games. Because I could see it going to seven at this point. I want to talk about something here. Uh, Dallas uh, is not just about Lucas, Luca, Luca, and uh, Trey Burke was also a very key player, and uh, especially Porzingis. Man, if you think about Porzingis, is one of those guys that when he got drafted and and he started playing crazy, people thought maybe this guy is going to be the next big thing in in, uh, in New York in the Knicks. I don't think Porzingis would ever could ever be the main focus of a team because he's very injury wise and he's got some flaws in his game, but it seems like, it seems like Porzingis found the perfect spot for him, you know, like um, playing against another superstar like Luca and giving him the space to like not carry the ball as much, shoot some threes, playing the paint, you know, be more comfortable and relaxed. Um, I think Porzingis is a perfect fit for this team. Another thing I want to talk about is Boban Marjanovic. He's playing really good too. I think, all these guys that came to Dallas like without no expectations. I mean, I'm talking about like Steph Curry's brother, Seth Curry, uh, Boban, Trey Burke, um, all these cats, man. They just they just been surprisingly yeah, good. I mean, guys, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian yeah. Finney Smith, those guys are all stepping up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
that's why I think they have a solid chance to fight the Clippers. I'm not going to say the Clippers are going to lose because that's that's a stretch. That's very hard to say in seven games. Uh, team with Kawhi, Paul George, and all that, it's kind of tough to say they're going to lose. But I don't know, man. I mean, if Luke and Porzingis keep it up and the whole cast, you know, keeps doing their own thing, it's it's the same thing as we're talking about the Blazers. It's a very solid team. So if the uh, if the if the Clippers behave like the Lakers and are not as solid, you know, and Stuff happens when you have two superstars and the rest of the team doesn't work. So I don't know. I just, we just got to wait and see. Um, but I'm definitely going to watch these Dallas teams. It's a very interesting one to see. It's going to be an interesting series overall. Yeah. And then lastly about the Clippers, a comment that a lot of people have made is that team hasn't played together throughout throughout rather the, throughout the whole entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul George was injured for stretches. Lou Will wasn't always on the floor. Now we're talking about back here on the bubble. Montrez Harrell came back. He cleared quarantine to play in game one, was there with his grandma before she passed away. But I think um, chemistry-wise chemistry wise and rhythm-wise, they're still kind of putting the pieces together. And I just hope it doesn't happen too late because I really like Luca and Kristaps, but I want the Clippers to keep advancing because I think um, – it's going to be a really fun team to watch when they put it all together. And I assume by the time, it, you know, assuming they get past the Mavs into the second round, I think it'll all be clicking. But I think they just need to get there and make that happen. Oh, they're oh, definitely yeah. going to figure it out. They, don't, and don't there's doubt. enough basketball left to be played that they're going to, they're going to have time to figure it out. That's if, if, they get, and, if they win this, um, if they win this, this series, I see the, the Clippers going all the way to the finals. As I'm watching the Lakers, the Lakers play right now, even if they beat the, the Blazers, I don't see them beating the Clippers like this, man. I'm sorry. No. The but. Clippers are the most – the Clippers, I, I don't know. If you want to make an argument for the Bucks, you can. But I think the Clippers are the most complete team here in the bubble right now. I don't know about the Bucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know, know man. You're thinking about – I'll bring, hey. I want to bring. I do want to bring that series up, though. I do want to bring that series mm-hmm. up, and we were just talking about this before. But the, the Pacers, the Pacers, kind of they kind of drive me crazy because they got a solid squad. But like I was explaining, they have all five starters in double digits, and their bench is not producing. And I don't know how you expect to win games if your bench only has you know one player eight points, another player maybe four points, and then two points here and there. Everybody else has zero. You can't, you know, you know, you can't uh, win games like that. You know what's the problem? The problem here is you're putting the blame on losing two games on the Pacers without like giving the value to the Heat team. You're like, oh, the Pacers, the Pacers are losing. No, 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 no. I'm not. Bench... I'm, not I'm not downing. <laughs> I'm not downing the Heat at all. I think the Heat are, are are the better team. Like I said before, I think the Heat are good. I'm just saying. I'm saying for the Pacers case. Like, let's say I was a Pacers fan, and I'm just talking solely from looking at how they perform. Because, you know, of course you're going against another team in basketball, right? But you got to look at how you perform, and you just got to think, like, and it could be reversed, too. So you could look at how the Heat played, right? The Heat played great. And then their Mm -hmm. bench also came out, and you have 15 from Tyler Hero. You have seven from two other players. And you have, like, I think four points from uh, another player, and that was only four players that came off the bench. That was good bench performance, whereas the – the Pacers were not performing off the bench. Mm-hmm. So just looking solely from the outside and not not downing either team, just saying that the Pacers got to do better if they want to compete. I can kind of cut this down to you for size. This is how I see it. 
Sabonis, Sabonis injury not being there in the bubble is a big problem. The Sabon, yeah. Sabonis has offense run through him by the Pacers on so many different occasions, whether it's him in the screen and roll action, him getting the ball on the block, people cutting, him making great passes. That hurts, and you also have to think uh, that – now that he's not there, every bench player moves up one spot in the rotation. So that also factors into why you're not seeing great action there for them. But I do think that even with Sabonis, they're just outmatched by this Miami Heat team. And I will mm-hmm. give credit where it's due. I slept on them. I didn't see them being as, you know, possibly much of a force as they are now looking like they could be in the Eastern Conference. And I think that at this point in time, the Pacers are just outmatched by that team. One yeah, thing I want to talk I about agree. the Heat here, uh, not only as a fan, because, well, fuck that, that's worth what it's worth, but um, when you watch your, your team being led, like, having the leader that Jimmy Butler is, um, at first I was really scared, and that's something I never hide because what he did in Minnesota and um, his attitude and all that. But when you see a guy like him play uh, playoff games like he's doing, like, just being a dog out there, you know, being there for the team. Because one thing that, that I truly respect in Jimmy Butler is that, yeah, you might be the captain of his team, but he's making everyone play around him. You know, he's not, he's not ball hawking. He's not, he's not taking every shot. He's not doing crazy shots. And uh, he's making everyone better around him. Obviously, there's other focal points in the team. Duncan Robinson balling out. Bama Bio is huge, huge, like you said earlier, Max. Bama Bio is probably the main piece of this team, but... Man, a lot of respect for a guy like Butler stepping up as a team leader because that what that's what it is. He's on both sides of the ball. He's great. He's he's, he's leading the team. He's talking to their teammates. He's you know he's being very active. And um, if if for some reason we get to the finals, if some if for some reason we keep advancing like that, I give all my respect to Jimmy Butler because one one thing that D Wade said at the beginning of the this year was, well, Jimmy, this is your team now because they they were friends. They were previously friends. And Jimmy said he was going to try to honor, you know, the, um, the career of D-Wade and uh, the legacy that he left behind uh, with the Heat. Uh, D-Wade gave us three rings. And Jimmy Butler is doing exactly that. He's being the leader that we needed. And um, I, just, I just hope he keeps doing it like that, you know, keeping that attitude. Absolutely. Incredible player. You have any more thoughts, Kyle, on the playoffs? Um, No, I'll just say I I didn't really keep up with the whole Duncan Robinson thing, but... I just think it's pretty interesting. He's really bowling out. So, um, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. last thing, last thing I'll bring up is I knew we knew what the situation was going to be with the Nets, but I just gotta say, Fred VanVleet is really bowling, man. Like I know oh, people yeah. respect him and all. I know people, some people maybe just don't think about it, but like he's really bowling. So just be on the lookout for that. Even if they don't make it, however far, or maybe they do, whatever it is, I just gotta shout out Fred for that one. I have one thing to to say about the Nets, too, before we move on. uh, Not Jared Allen. Kyrie's LeVert, man. Ooh, wow. After after he got that big injury, uh, what, two years ago, when D'Lo was there, uh, or last year, I don't remember. And um, it was a bad injury, and everybody was like, damn, this dude's never going to be the same. You know, he's just going to become a role player, uh, 15 average point player. He's stepping up. Man, he took the chance. Like, they gave him the chance to, like, hey, listen, Durant and Kyrie are coming back next season. Uh, you, our star players are not here right now. So, you know, that's this is our, your team. That's going to be a crazy trio next year. That's going to be a crazy trio. And he took he took the chance to show that he can be, you know, the big three of the of, of with Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Because at this point, he's playing like a superstar, honestly. 
he's playing totally like a superstar. I just hope he keeps up that level because he's a player that I like. And I respect, I have utter respect for guys that come back out of injuries like that. So let's see. Yeah, I have one last thought about the playoffs so far. So we did the the top 20 players heading into the bubble playoffs ranking, you know, episode a few shows ago. And I didn't have this player high enough. And I knew he was a star. But after watching these two games, even though, granted, the team that he's been playing against is a great matchup for him, Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar. You watch what that man does on the court. It's special. His ability to hit from beyond the line, his length, how he easily strides inside the lane. Like, watch out. The next, you know, 10 years in the NBA, that's Luka Doncic, you know, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell. Talk about that playoff high that he put up in a loss in game one against the Nuggets. Those players, man. But I got to give props to Jason Tatum because I, he's, he's incredible, man. And I can't wait to keep watching. And that being said, <laughs> I felt like it, it looked like he was going to say something about Donovan Mitchell when he mentioned You got that. something, Kyle? Speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm good. <laughs> All right. We're on to the next one, our final topic of conversation today. So we're going to kind of briefly, briefly go into the unwritten rules of sports. So we had a situation a few days ago with the superstar shortstop for the San Diego Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr. So the Padres were up about 10-3 in the eighth inning on the road in a game against the Rangers. It was a 3-0 and count, and um, Tatis Jr. takes a fat swing, ends up you know, hitting a grand slam to right center field. And after the game's over, there's a lot of people that are giving him a hard time saying, you know, it's one of the unwritten rules of baseball that if you're up by a wide margin and it's a 3-0 count, you're not meant to swing because, you know, you've you've already, you know, put a beating on that team. And, it, you know, people that are old school in baseball just look at it as, you know, kind of, you know, bad etiquette. But um, I also want to say about Tastis Jr. is that he's one of the best young players in baseball. You know, he's one of the guys that has a lot of personality, plays with a lot of swag, you know, decked out in all the gear. You know, he's got the long dreads. He's got the chain. And I think for a lot of young players, you know, kids I'm talking about growing up, you know, baseball has the problem of drawing in new fans. And I think kids are drawn to that, seeing players having fun, doing bat flips, you know. I think when you admire a home run too long, you know, you, you probably deserve to get hit maybe your next time up the plate. But I, I think that Tatis Jr. is everything right about baseball that should continue forward. But I want to hear your guys' thoughts because I know neither of you really have a huge background in baseball. And we could also extend this conversation to unwritten rules in sports that you guys played. I just want to go down that road. Yeah, man. All right. Well, yeah, I was so excited to talk about this. So first of all, I like read up on the whole situation about that. Um, for one, we'll go back to the wanting more fans in baseball. Remember that conversation we were having uh, a, a while back? Um, I think that's what baseball needs. Like, people want to see this excitement. People want to see home runs, bat flips, whatever, you know? And it's 2020. We are so past old school baseball, you know, right. kind of slow baseball. You know, we. I think people want to see a little bit more. Um, and then another thing is... Why are you loading? How'd you load the bases? I didn't watch the game. You know, you got to blame the pitcher on that one, too. You loaded the bases that, that early. And me personally, if I see the bases are loaded and you throw me whatever kind of pitch I know I can hit, I don't know how it works. Right. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm swinging at that and I'm knocking it off the park. And we're going to score 14 points. And that's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, I mean similarly, 
it's like in basketball though right if a, if a guy's you know a guy's cooking and you can't stop him it's not his problem like it's find not. somebody that can stop him so if if you groove a fastball right down the middle in a 3-0 count when you're getting smacked maybe you should have put it on the outside corner yeah and then also it's this is what it is you're in a game you're it's it's competition it's competition yeah. so i look at it as if you let up people are going to keep scoring you got to go out there and play the game too right I wouldn't want to walk yeah. out here and be like, oh, well, they scored a couple runs, but they're going to respect us, so we'll only lose by, like, three. No. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen like that. I have, and you I can have look a... at, like, even uh, soccer, too. You know, Germany, when they when they destroyed Brazil, they didn't let up at three goals. Not nah, Brazil couldn't stop them, so they were just playing the game that they know how to play. Homeboy had a, a swing, and they set it up perfect, and it was bases loaded. He was just doing what he knows how to do. That's all I got to say. Right. Tiago, before you hop in real quick, I have one thought. I'm going to say this. If he had popped out to the first baseman, nobody would have been complaining about it, right? It's only because he hit a grand slam. So that's my last thought on it. Um, when I think about unwritten rules, the only thing that comes into my mind is Salome respect, man. Like, I understand what you guys are saying. And, yeah, you, you want to win the game at all costs. And you, you're going to swing the bat if you get the chance and all of that. But... Um, I mean, I won't, I won't speak, obviously, focusing on baseball because, well, I'm not so into it. And uh, I understand, like, if you get a chance to swing and if you're going to win by an even bigger margin, go for it. But uh, if, if you think about it in football, taking a knee is a thing for a reason, right? Like, you, you're not going to make – if you have uh, the ball and you get, like, uh, 30 seconds to play and you're winning 14-0, you're not going to swing the ball. You're not going to run the ball. You're not going to cause an injury in your, in your team. And you've got to have respect for the other team. You know, you're just going to take a knee, say, you know, thank you to the, the other team, shake hands. That's it. Don't shake hands now because of the virus, but you know what I said. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's it. And the same thing in in basketball. I know, like, um, well, was it last season that um, a guy tried to score a three-pointer? I don't remember what it was. Because he wanted yeah. to triple double, yeah, or he wanted, it was like yeah. late game, like five seconds left, but it was like a yeah. blood or And there was like there was a huge mess after. I remember that. Uh, who was involved in it? God damn it! Um, I, I have a human in my head. Yeah, uh, whatever. I, I can't remember. remember, but I know that situations happened many different times. <laughs> like I mean, and people say, history. and people say, yeah, that the guy that that got into a fight got ejected and all that. But I mean, I understand the frustration. You you're already losing by like twenty. Well, Tiago, real quick before you continue, Max, what inning was did this happen? It was it was the eighth inning, so it's a nine inning game. It was it was the top of the eighth, so yeah, it okay. was close to being over. So that's why I can understand why you know some baseball classic classical lists, you know, would be kind of offended by it. But and I yeah. and I agree. If it's on the end of the game and you have the chance to just you know cool down and let the game end, just do it. Just just have a little respect. I think like I think I know that doesn't happen in soccer at all. Soccer is a game that if you're winning by eight zero, you're gonna go full gas. Uh, until the 90th minute and that's that's but that's that's part of the culture of the sport i believe because there are no rules to take a knee in soccer like if you just slow down the other team might keep scoring on you and that ruins the stats for the goalkeeper and all that but um if you have the chance to take a knee or just you know ball hog the basketball and don't throw don't throw a triple a three-pointer on last 20 seconds of a game if you don't need it nobody ends up losing stats or nobody ends up like injuring uh like hurting your numbers so just just have that respect you know take the knee don't throw the ball okay don't shoot i've got real, 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 quick, I've got, 
real quick. Let mm-hmm. me go real quick. Um, yeah. Tiago, I agree with what you're saying too. I I think it's kind of like uh, you just kind of gotta read the situation or kind of know the situation. And sometimes things happen. Sometimes they don't. Like, and I think people will be if if you're always looking at it in like a negative way, people are always gonna be mad at the times that someone hits a grand slam in the eighth inning. You know. But, like, I think you just got to kind of know the situations. And so, like, I agree with you. Like, in football, like, yeah, you're supposed to take a knee at a certain point. And in basketball, you obviously shouldn't be pulling up for three with five seconds left and you're up 30, you know? I got a great example for this. Uh, Y'all know the the rivalry between Michigan and Ohio, right? Um, The college rivalry. Uh, A few years ago, like a lot of years ago, Ohio was beating Michigan so bad. But, like, you know, just it's a rivalry game, so you're not taking breaks. And I think they were winning, what, by 20 points in football. And they kept going for two. Each touchdown, they kept going for two. And, and, you know, (laughs) it's funny because Ohio people, Ohio State people love talking about it. But if you think about it from the coach perspective of having respect for the game, are you really respecting the game? Like, you're you're just being a dick, you know, at some point. Like, we know Ohio State is better than Michigan in that year, for sure. You're beating them by 27 three or whatever but do you really have to go for two every fucking play like just stop you know you're gonna get your players hurt too because you're going for two you're making people run you're making people catch balls in dangerous situations shit like that so maybe you know see it as a like i said in the in the respect side of the thing you know have respect for the game i respect for your athletes and have fair play because having respect for the opponent team even if it's your bigger rivals the best way to humiliate your rivals is you know taking that knee in front of them, uh, especially if you're playing away games. Uh, everybody says that that must be the biggest, the best feeling ever. You're winning by 20. You take a knee on your opponent's right. field and you win the game like that. That's respectful yeah. for me. And it's a way to, you know, humiliate in a respectful okay. way. So I follow what you're saying and I agree with some of it. But here's one point about baseball. In basketball, football, and soccer, there's time clocks connected to all mm-hmm. those games. There's no time clock on baseball. You got to get 27 outs to win a baseball game. And let me give you a real, real world example of something that happened the other day. I don't know if you guys followed, but the A's and the Giants played a series in San Francisco the other day. The A's were down five runs in the ninth inning. The closer for the Giants melted down, collapsed, and the A's won by one run. The next game, the A's are down by three runs in the ninth inning. That same closer comes in, meltdown, collapse, A's win again. So I think in this interesting scenario where taxi squads are larger and rosters are bigger in that it's a more condensed, shorter season, I don't think you can let up, man. If, no. if it means putting the smackdown on somebody, hey, guess what? You wake up tomorrow and play a new game. You got new life. But I think that there's no problem with what Tatis Jr. did. And people that do have a problem with it, I don't give a fuck, frankly. You can bitch about it on Twitter if you want, but um, it's not going to stop Tatis Jr. from doing it. And, um, hey, man, if you take a fat hack and you hit a granny, you know it is what it is. Uh, that that team that gave it up will live to see another day. I yeah, agree. I agree. Depends and on look, the context, probably, always. That's pretty much what I was thinking, too, Max, is, like, you have to get a certain amount of outs, right? And – I, I don't know how baseball works as far as like momentum goes, but I feel like if you're down in a certain inning, you could still come back and hit however many runs in a row should a pitcher, you know, you know, have the meltdowns or whatever, like you're saying. So I, I think you just got to play the game all the way through and, you know, someone ends up hitting a little grand slam. 
It's depending a bit on the game too. Like you gotta know when to slow down too. Just just remember that game exactly. where Tracy, Tracy McGrady scored 13 points in 30 something seconds against the Spurs. The Spurs slow down uh, on a game that was one that was uh, up by 12 or something, and they slowed down on the last 30 seconds. Like maybe you shouldn't have slowed down there. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. no that's not a matter of respect. You got Tracy McGrady on the other side firing up. So, you know, it's like I said. You gotta it's play the... the game all the way through and you know when to respect people. That's just Exactly. No one That's to take the a biggest knee and no point. one to slow down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You you just said it, Kyle and Tiago. Your argument was saying it the whole time. You know, I don't think the situation with Tatis Jr. was a problem, but there's always that respect factor. And I think the best coaches, they're completely aware of that. They know when the game's out of reach for their opponent and they know when to, you know, kind of raise the victory flag and, you know, you know, put the opponent at its mercy and let them lie down. So I think it's all about knowing when to, you know, keep the, keep the pedal on the gas and knowing when to let up. Straight like that. We got any more thoughts about the unwritten rules of baseball or sports here? I'm on that. I'm on Tati's junior side. So yeah, there we go. Hey, if you're listening, Tatis, we're with you, bro. We're with you. Um, that being said, this concludes our episode today. We talked about college sports, the decision of a few conferences to postpone fall sports, and most importantly, college football. We talked about the NBA playoffs, what's going on in the bubble, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Blazers, the Mavericks, You know, a few different squads, the Heat, the Pacers talking about all that and then we talk about Tatis Jr. and the unwritten rules of baseball and sports that being said we're signing off we'll see you next week